Time now for the SCL Mortgage Show with your host, Sandy Clough, and co-host, Larry Jager. Stay tuned as we discuss everything mortgage. Educate, form, entertain. It's the SCL Mortgage Show. Now, here's your host, Sandy Clough, with mortgage industry veteran, Larry Jager. And good morning. Welcome to another year and another edition of the SCL Mortgage Show. I'm Sandy Clough alongside Larry Jager, the president of SCL Mortgage, for this morning of January 7th, 2023. 303-790-2222, as always, is the number by which you can contact SCL Mortgage. MySpecialMortgage.com is the website. And uh, Larry... Happy New Year. Happy Good New to Year to you. Again. Good to see you, too, on a new year. Yes. Here we are. <laughs> Wait till next year. Next year is here. And uh, looking back on last weekend, how was the new year for you? You know, the new year was uh, kind of quiet. So um, we really rarely go outside or go somewhere on New Year's Eve. So it was just uh, my wife and I. And my wife and I, or she is a cook in the house, and she made some incredible food over the weekend, and we had a long weekend, and um, it was nice. It was really good. How, how about you? Well, uh, I was down in Placidas, New Mexico. Uh, just That's right. Right between Santa Fe and Albuquerque, and had a wonderful time. Uh, uh, weather's a little warmer yeah. down there, but it's not the tropics right. uh, by any means, but uh, they have a beautiful home and wonderful area lots of hiking uh mountain climbing if that's your uh, that's me uh, too deal. Yep, and yep. of course uh, uh wonderful food and yeah. uh, we just had a great time uh I, we're into the new year's resolution phase i suppose i, I think we cut it off at about one week at least i do yeah but we're within the one week framework here on the seventh day of january uh you said you wanted to talk about that uh, for this segment, spend about uh, eight or nine minutes talking here okay. about that and uh, something about a new book you've been reading. Oh, I would love to talk about that, Sandy. So um, you remember you and Graham. He told me about this book. So I ordered it. It's called Atomic Habits, written by uh, a man named James Clear. And I thought this really, and, and I got started on it over the weekend, and I love this book. It breaks down bad habits, good habits, how you can create good habits, and it does it in a way that's really easy to understand. So I thought this would go along with New Year's resolutions. So this would be a good time to talk about it. So <clears throat> I copied a lot of stuff from the book, Sandy, and, and uh the book is called Atomic Habits. So the definition of atomic is the source of immense energy or power. And habit is a routine or practice performed regularly, an automatic response to a particular situation. So he goes on, and I, I want to read the, the part of the last, uh, well, I think the chapter I'm on is three or something. So he, he does a chapter summary. And this was really good. He said there are three levels of change. Outcome change, process change, and identity change. So, and he said the most effective way to change your habits is to focus on not only what you want to achieve, but on, on, but on which you want to become. So your identity emerges out of your habits, and every action is a vote for the type of person you want to become. 
So if I break that down, Sandy, um, he says, why small habits make a big difference? So I thought about people that uh, exercise, you know, the gym membership goes up through the roof on on, on, uh, the first of the year. Yes. In January. And then it's (laughs) common resolution. Right. Work out more. Work out more, lose some weight, get in better shape. So when he breaks this down, he says it's easy to un- it's easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. To and, and too often we convince ourselves that the massive success requires massive action, whether it's losing weight or building a business or writing a book or winning a championship or whatever. We put so much pressure on ourselves to make these earth-shattering improvements that everyone everyone will talk about. But meanwhile, he says improving by 1% each each year can become very uh, – I'm sorry. Improving by 1% isn't particularly notable. It's almost not even noticeable, but it can be far more meaningful, especially in the long run. The difference between a tiny improvement can make is outstanding. And here's the math. If you if you improve 1% better each day for a year, that ends up to over 30% in that calendar year. And and I did the math just cuz I wanted to make sure. So, you know, everybody these days is looking for something um let's let's write a book or I'm I want to do this right now. And it's it's very hard to do that right now. It it comes as more of a a little bit per month, per day, and then over the weekend, it comes to something much better. So he goes on to say that um, we often dismiss small small changes because they don't seem to matter very much in the moment. So if you save a little money now, you're not a millionaire. And if you go to the gym three days in a row, you're still out of shape. And if you try to study Mandarin for an hour and a night and you haven't learned the language... We make a few changes, but even the results need to come quickly. So we slide back into our normal routines, right? Just like we talked about with, <clears throat> excuse me, with people getting memberships into a gym at February, or uh, I'm sorry, in um, so people getting memberships into a gym in January, and then they slowly ease out of it and they drop their memberships right. two months down the road. Right. So um, I found that very interesting. And and here's another example, Sandy, that he said, <clears throat> the impact created by a change in your habits, similar to the effect of shifting a route of an airplane by just a few degrees. So imagine if you were flying from L.A. to New York City. If a pilot leaving LAX and adjusts his heading 3.5 degrees south, he's going to land in Washington. So it's you know it it one little change equates to a lot over over a year's time or or two hours whatever this is so I thought that was really really interesting and for those of you um, if you have any interest I found this book on Amazon again it's called Atomic Habits by James Clear it's a really really good book so let me let me uh, go one step further Sandy if I may. He said, um, it doesn't matter how successful or unsuccessful you are right now. What matters is your habits are putting you on the right path toward success. You should be far more concerned with your trajectory than the current results. 
if you're a millionaire, but you spend more money than you earn each month, that's not a bad, that's not a good trajectory. If your spending habits don't change, it's not going to end well. Conversely, if you're broke and you save a little bit money every month, it's going to put you on a path toward financial freedom, even if you're mo- moving slower than you want. So your outcome are lagging habits of your your out your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. Your net worth is a lagging member of your financial habits, and your weight is a lagging measure of your eating habits. So your knowledge is a matter of a lagging measure of your learning habits, and your clutter is is a lagging member of your cleaning habits. So you get what you repeat. If you want to predict where you'll, where you'll end up in life, all you have to do is follow the tiny gains and losses to see how you will be at the at the toward the end of your life. So, um, <clears throat> I just got into this book, and it was so, you know, today everybody wants something right now, and <clears throat> it just doesn't come that easy. I, I actually started. Um, my waist got a little bit small on, on me over the holidays, so I thought, uh, I'm not liking this anymore. So I decided I'm, every day that I work out, I'm doing 75 sit-ups, 20, 25 per and three sets. So um, And I'm doing that over and over and over. So now all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, I'm seeing some change. But it didn't come overnight. It of just, course not. You know, and it's it's the same way with all aspects of life. So, um, good book. Very, Very interesting. Good book. Very interesting. And uh, you've talked about over the last few years that we've been together, altering your habits, perhaps depending on circumstances. Yes. Right. And we will come back and we'll talk more a little bit later on about this, but. Loan programs won't change, but maybe the lending footprint will will change a lot. For it example, will. Um, resolutions that you might have for 2023, uh, maybe hiring more loan officers in 2023, which hopefully, as uh, you have forecast, will be a more prosperous year I think with so. uh, interest rates scheduled to perhaps go down at some point. Within uh, the first quarter, we'll see about all of that. But uh, there's a lot to talk about for the year ahead, and we'll continue in this vein as the SCL Market Show continues for this first January Saturday of 2023 on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. This is the SCL Mortgage Show, and in 2023, as in years past, we broadcast every Saturday morning between 7 and 8 right here on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. I'm Sandy Clough. Larry Jager is the president of SCL Mortgage alongside. All right, Larry, uh, what's new for SCL Mortgage in 2023? In 2023, Sandy, um, well, let me just tell you, and this is, I've told you this, but I'm going to introduce it to our listeners. Uh, during this month, we are going to be part of a bank. And we are really, really excited about this because as a part of a bank, and banks are fall under the guidance of FDIC, right. so we have the ability to lend in all states. Now, we probably will carve some out, like maybe not New York, maybe maybe one or others. But our footprint footprint is going to change substantially. And 
my very first mortgage life uh, back 30, it's been 35 years now, Sandy, I was with a mortgage company that was owned by a bank. And I clearly saw the benefits of being having a part of a bank or being a, a subsidiary of a bank or, or whatever, because there's so many different things you can offer, like stuff we offer now, but lot loans, single family construction loans, uh, bridge loans, all the other stuff that um, um, that a bank can hold. So it's it's kind of a marriage made in heaven, and I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. It's going to be later this month. But I'm okay talking about it right now. So all of a sudden, the 11 states that we're in now is going to change to 44 and then 48 states. So it's going to be really, really good stuff, Sandy. I'm, I'm totally um, – we've found the right partner. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations over the last couple of weeks, and um, I think we've got guys that we can really um, – we can really go a long ways with them. So I'm excited. Your loan programs, again, aren't going to change. Correct. And I think we need to make that point maybe in the weeks ahead uh, a little bit more emphatically that your loan programs don't change. But, again, to use your terminology, the lending footprint will change considerably. You're you're absolutely right. We have uh, spent a lot of time with uh, this particular bank. And the lending programs that we have are stuff that they already offer. It it was kind of interesting. It it just how it came about. Um, well, we offer these kind of loan programs, our bank statement loan programs, and and other stuff like that. And and they said, well, we do the same thing. And we, like I said, we offer uh, single family um, uh, construction loans. We offer lot loans. We offer permanent loans. So I don't see any of our program programs changing all that much, but um, I think now is a, is a good time for us to grow, and and I want to do that in 2023. So um, <clears throat> if you are a loan officer out there looking to maybe make a move, or have you ever thought about being a part of a bank? And here's another thing, Sandy, I didn't tell you about as a as an independent mortgage company, we need to get licensed in all the states that we're in. Our loan officers have to get licensed. The company has to get licensed. It's it's a fair amount of, of stuff we have to do. So as part of a bank, that all goes away because the FDIC says, okay, you are a bank, and it's up to you to educate your loan officers and make sure everything's going right and compliance and all that stuff. So our licensing will go away. So if you are a loan officer out there that would like to think about the benefits of being a part of a bank, and if you are uh, successful and you have a proven track record, then we would like to talk to you. And the opportunities are, are huge for us, Sandy. So um, um, I'm, I'm just exactly what we're looking for for 2023. So you are in the midst of a process that will lead to more hiring of loan officers in the coming year. Yes. Yes, we are. And, you know, it's a lot about it's a purchase money business these days, Sandy. Um, so if there's loan officers out there that have, let's say, a book of business or they have good realtor uh, relationships that they've had for a while and they're and doing well, it's I don't know that it's a time for new people to get into this business. It's it's just a 
it's not probably the best time, but for people that are seasoned and and, and have those relationships, then <clears throat> excuse me, we would like to talk to you. You told me during the break that the Mortgage Bankers Association said that interest rates are coming down in 2023. Not might come down, are coming down. That's exactly right. Okay. You have predicted this several weeks ago. You predicted (laughs) this would happen. Is that a driving reason to hire more loan officers? Um, It is, Sandy. I, I think interest rates are coming down. This quarter, and probably more so in uh, September, uh, August, that time frame. And so, you know, that days of 2-3% is long gone, and that was a couple years ago. And and we're getting back to where normal rates are most of all the time. You know, like in the 5 maybe 6% range for uh, owner-occupied residences. So, in my mind, this is the time to grow. If loan officers want to um, be a part of us and a part of a bank and realize all the benefits of it, or if you want to call us and we can talk to you about those benefits. So I think it's a good time to grow. And um, while other companies are maybe not growing or maybe not uh, just where wherever they are, where the volumes are off, I think um, we're in a perfect opportunity to grow and that requires more loan officers. So we are looking. And I would assume you are looking for seasoned professionals, people with experience. Yes. Yes, we are. Like like I said uh, a minute ago, for people that want to get into the mortgage business today, never been there before, I don't know if this is the right time for people because you have to go out and establish all these relationships. And, and they're I mean, it takes time, right? Into this business a long time ago, I saw some some niches that uh, maybe were underserved, and I really went after those. and And it could be CPAs, it could be um, it could be realtors, it could be um, uh, builders of new homes. Builders of new homes don't necessarily offer bank statement loans, so that's an opportunity for us. So, yeah, we are looking for seasoned people, people that have been around a few years, have proven track records. And more importantly, like this business, and they buy off on our core values. And that's, to me, that's a very, very important thing for us. Is there any anxiety attached to this change? Big change. It's, it is a big change. Yeah. But, um, gosh. I and I guess the better question would be, should there be any anxiety, any reservations, any questions that potential customers might want to ask, might want to inquire about? You know, we would certainly welcome those. And, and, um, but here's, here's kind of the difference. Um, one, there's no anxiety. No, I, I've spent so much time with the, with the owners of this bank, and we, we really think a lot alike. So the one thing that was really important to me, Sandy, was that, I were I was looking for people, mortgage people, that bought a bank and they saw the value of it, as opposed to a bank that wants to get into the mortgage business. Totally different, totally different. So these two people who bought this bank several years ago have done a really fine job of, of um, 
growing the bank and, and making it profitable. And they are mortgage people that wanted to expand with guys like me and across and across the country. So to me, it's it's a, <clears throat> it was a match made in heaven. And I'm 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 really excited about it because you make that distinction in a way that I think uh, uh, gives people who have heard us talk about banks and how they tend to be pretty rigid. Right, people right. go to banks for uh, loans, uh, uh, and, and if they're self-employed, they can't get them, even if they've been working with a particular bank for decades. Right. And their uh, relationship with the bank has always been good every dealing they've had with the bank has been uh, successful and very easy and uh, yet they go for uh, a loan and they can't get what they need what they need from the bank but you're saying this is a different kind of bank which is operated by mortgage people exactly exactly who understand the mortgage business and what the mortgage business is doing right now and how it's expanding. You know, you're you're exactly right. We've talked about how many different banks there are out there and none of them offer bank statement loans. Exactly. Or DCSR or all those things. But um, it, it's, it's an interesting story how we found each other. But they really liked what we're doing and I really liked what they're doing. And oh, by the way, they do offer bank statement loans. And they know the value of them. They know how hard it is for self-employed people to get a traditional mortgage. So everything just seemed to be in line, Sandy. And we've had these conversations now for a couple of months. And uh, like I said, toward the toward the very end of January, it'll be official. Um, so we um, it, it's it's like a marriage made in heaven. Like I, I keep saying, but. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a really good fit and, and a good fit for our customers. 303-790-2222 is the phone number for SCO Mortgage. MySpecialMortgage.com is the website. We will be continuing with customer emails next, right here on the SCL Mortgage Show, Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. We continue now on the SCL Mortgage Show with customer emails. These are all emails we have uh, received. You have received, Larry, within the last week, Sandy Clef with Larry Jager, the president of SCL Mortgage, 303-790-2222. MySpecialMortgage.com is the website, and um, you have quite a stack. I do. Today. I so, do. This uh, is lots of response as we head into the new year. Even uh, over the past week, uh, like I said, these, these have all come in this week, and the response has been Pretty, uh, pretty amazing. So I'm, um, I'm happy to get into him. So this one came from John, who said, I am in need of advice. I'm in a unique position to purchase a duplex in which I currently live in. So um, talking with my realtor, he said, you should, you should go to check out different mortgage companies. And the, mor- the realtor also suggested checking out SCL Mortgage. Because this person is self-employed, and they've heard it on the radio that we offer bank statement loans for self-employed. So this gentleman wants to live in one and rent out the other, which is a great idea because that rent will help pay the mortgage payment. So 
Um, <clears throat> he goes on to say that um, he lives in the property now, and he said that he was checking with some other banks that do not do um, bank statement loans. So he comes to us, and you know that happens to us a lot, Sandy, where <clears throat> we do a lot of marketing to real estate agents about different programs we have, bank statement loans, down payment assistant loans. So um, when when this came to us, I knew it was because of some marketing we did to real estate agents. And a lot of times they will tell their buyer or their client to just call SEL and maybe there's a fit some. So that, uh, that worked out really well. Thank you, John. I appreciate the email. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. This is from Harry who said, oh, Harry's from Florida. He said, uh, I'm inquiring about a reverse mortgage uh, for 63 years and, uh, or he says 60, 63 years. So he's right about that. He does qualify for the for reverse mortgage. We do offer reverse mortgages. And um, I'm not sure how he heard about us in the state of Florida. Maybe it was a podcast or I, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, that's okay. Um State of Florida, reverse mortgage. So thank you, Harry. We, uh, I'm sure a loan officer's contacted you already. So, <clears throat> oh, I wanted to read this other thing to you, Sandy, before I forget. I printed it off from our friend Elliot Eisenberg. Oh, yes. <laughs> the, the bow tie economist. He said, um, the omnius spending bill recently passed by Congress guarantees the government won't shut down. That's good. But unfortunately, it increases spending. That's not a good thing. He said, with the Fed fighting inflation, Congress could have helped by cutting spending, making the Fed's job easier. So it's kind of two things going on here. You know, they're they're trying to raise rates and, and to combat inflation. And there's other things they probably could have done to make our life easier. But I don't want our listeners to uh, to forget that we firmly believe rates are going to come down this quarter and then again in January. So uh, that's that's Elliot. Um, okay, this came from um, his name is Schuler. I listen to the show as often as I can between lift rides. I'm looking at buying a condo and was going through another mortgage company. I was uh, not planning on putting any down payment down, but I heard you have down payment assistance plans. So he said, I applied last year and I was approved in one day. So right now I've saved up a little bit more money and I want to buy this condo. So, well, Schuler, thanks for the for listening while you're <laughs> while you're driving people around. Um, oh, and he says, sorry for the long story. That's not that's. Totally fine. I'm glad you were able to, to clarify that with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, uh, we're going to help you out with that condo uh, purchase. This came from Christian. He said, uh, just wanted to get more information on a bank statement loan. I've heard you talk about them. Uh, talk, to, talk to us on Saturdays with your show with Sandy. So... Christian, how we do this, and and we have done this for a very long time, for self-employed people, it's very hard to qualify sometimes with your tax returns, so we do it differently. We take your bank statement loans, or your bank statements rather, whether it's personal or business, and we total the deposits. It doesn't matter what the expenses are, we're really interested in the deposits. So let's say if you deposit X number of dollars per month, 
and that's going to become your income. And that's how we do this. Um, we've done it very successfully since the we started the company eight years ago. So um, thanks for listening to us, Christian. And uh, I'm sure a loan officers got in touch with you already. Okay, so uh, this came from Richard, said, If possible, I would like to make an appointment to come into your office to discuss a loan. I've got a few moving parts, so excuse me. I would prefer to meet in person if that's possible. Well, absolutely it is. We have, uh, I'll tell you, we have a lot fewer people in the office these days, but there's always somebody there, and we can certainly get a loan officer to come in and talk to you whenever it's convenient for you, and we will talk to you uh, with with your moving parts. So, uh, okay, thank you. Uh, This came from Lauren Sandy. She said, I'm interested in a purchase in probably the end of September. No, I'm sorry. This is uh, the end of uh, May. So, Lauren, you're you're doing a good thing. It's time to get all your loan documents and, and see what you qualify for, what payments you're comfortable with, how much money you have to put down, or if you don't, we have also down payment assistance loans. So very simply, purchase, and she wants to uh, get qualified. Okay, this uh, came from Victoria, who said, I am interested in a purchase on a single-family home that I currently live in, and the landlord has offered to sell it to me. So I guess this would be good for the landlord because if there's no agents involved, he thinks he can sell it to me for a little bit less. So I would like to get pre-qualified and see if I can buy this home, which I currently am in and and love. So absolutely, Victoria, we're more than happy to help you out. And uh, I think it's a good time to uh, it's a good time to buy. Okay, uh, let's see. I have one more, Sandy, from uh, Justin who said, um, I have heard you on the show on Saturdays with Sandy Clough. I am interested in getting pre-approved to buy a house. I also have, I've seen some um, houses on Zillow, which I'm currently interested in. The prices are a little up there, but I think I have the income to qualify me, and I have very good credit. So, Justin, that's great. Good for you. And uh, let's see if... uh, I'm sure a loan officer's got in touch with you. Let's do the pre-qualification or the pre-approval like we like to do and um, see if we can't get you into uh, your first home. Very good. And we want to thank John, Harry, Schuler, Christian, Richard, Lauren, Victoria, and Justin for their emails. And uh, thanks to the Bowtie Economist for uh, (laughs) uh, his input as well as we uh, continue here with uh, the SCL Mortgage Show, but uh, that's a fair amount of activity for the first week of of the new year. And again, people were otherwise occupied over the weekend and even right. into the week a little bit. On Monday it was holiday for a lot of people, so uh, uh, that's a pretty impressive response for this first week of 2023. We're very grateful for uh, your interest, and when we come back, we'll uh, talk about the housing market and whether. 2023 is going to turn into a buyer's market. That's coming next as the SCL Mortgage Show continues. Sandy Clef with Larry Jager, the president of SCL Mortgage, 303-790-2222, myspecialmortgage.com. This is Denver Sports Station, 
104.3 The Fan. The SCL Mortgage Show rolls on, and we'll get back, Larry, to the housing market for just a minute. Sandy Clef with Larry Jager, of course, the president of SCL Mortgage. Is 2023 going to turn into a buyer's market, do you imagine? You know, I've read a lot about this, Sandy, and people are saying, well, is it still a seller's market? Is it going to be uh, our 2023 going to be a a buyer's market and what about interest rates and is it a good time to buy and i've I've done a lot of research on this and i I don't think we're not it's not a buyer's market yet i i would say that it's kind of in the middle it's not like it was a couple years ago where it was strictly a seller's market the sellers got all the control all the all the everybody wants to buy a house and they just keep prices going up and up and up. So that is, um, that's not happening as much, Sandy. I think prices have actually softened just a little bit. So I don't know if we're going to turn into a buyer's market. I don't think we are. It's sort of right in the middle. If a seller wants to sell his house and he puts the price out there that's very competitive with the rest of the houses that are sold, that's, that's usually the best part. Sometimes Sellers can say, well, you know, prices prices are going up and up and up and up, and I want to price my home at the very top. Okay, I sort I get that, but you have to price it competitively. And it's interesting the way the market always figures it out. If if your house is priced too aggressively or too very near the top, it's gotta be it's gotta be everything out there that the buyer's looking for. And they can just move in. But if it does need a little bit of work or needs something else, then you've got to price it probably more competitively. So um, long story uh, to your answer, but um, I think, no, we're not probably going to see a buyer's market. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's more right in the center. A little bit to the buyer, a little bit to the seller, but still still a good market to, uh, to be um, enter into new home. I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't know if uh, you're comfortable answering but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Um, is it a good time to invest in the stock market right now? Uh, for me, no. <laughs> you know, the stock market was was a lot higher during the previous administration, but it's come down uh, fairly uh, well. I look at my IRA statement. I look at uh, different statements where we have money in. And, uh, you know, honestly, it's it's lost money over the past several months. But uh, But – we're not – it's like anything. We're not in it for today or tomorrow. Right. We're in it for the long haul, and, and, and it always comes back. For, but for me, uh, when I see my, my IRAs or, or 401K statements coming down and down, I, I personally, I don't think it's the best time. And I would say to people that why not look at real estate, real estate investing, because we're still getting 5% or more appreciation per year. And I, I certainly am not getting that in the stock market right now. Some people may say, you know, a broker will call me up and, and say, well, this is a good time to get in the market because you want it when it's lower. And I said, well, I, yeah, probably not right now because we're making between 5 and 7% per year on our investment properties um, that we have rented. And that's better than what I'm making in the stock market right now. So um, um, if, if, People want to know more about that, more about uh, the the 
tax uh, write-offs and and the depreciation on real estate, give us a call because I think that's a much better place to go than it is in the stock market right now. So um, we do know that very, very well. And if people have an interest in in dabbling in commercial real estate or, I'm sorry, in um, single-family residences, please give us a call. We, We know about that very well. Brought up a good point in the last break. I wanted you to expand on uh, that point a bit. Um, And it seems odd uh, to me that schools don't teach uh, their students more about investing and money and uh, that that kind of advice, maybe a class called financial education. There seems you know, to be a real need for that. There I is. I know I'm not comfortable with financial matters, even at my advanced age. Uh, th- there's more that I wish I had been taught. Um, I wish the same thing, Sandy. You know, that takes me back um, a long time ago. I think I was in like the fifth grade. And and this is in North Dakota. Schools are much smaller. And, and I clearly remember my teacher, Mrs. Breno. And I said to her one day, I said, when are we going to learn about money? Because I, I had an interest. I've always had this. Uh, I've always had an interest in real estate. I've always had an interest in, in finance. And I thought if some point in my fifth grade, I think it was, we're going to learn about money. How do you balance a checkbook? How do you make money? How do you, can we talk about real estate investing? And, and maybe that's not for uh, grammar school. Maybe that's for high school or, sure. or oh, college yeah. or beyond. But but our youngest son just went through um, Baylor for four years, got a, got a, a business education degree. And in fact, I don't know if I told you, but he... Um, he applied to Baylor for his master's degree, and um, he and his wife are probably going to move to Texas in the summer, and he's going to get his uh, master's degree, which I told him, it's a, that's something you want to do. And, oh, by the way, Baylor's paying for almost all of it, so that you can't pass that up. But it would be nice, I thought, if, if they taught these classes in high school or, or in college especially – because people come out of college and maybe don't even know how to balance a checkbook or they don't know what vehicles to invest in to save or about real estate. And financial education, Sandy, I, I think it would be – I bet that would class would be really, really full. Financial education. So um, I don't know what we can do about this, but I think it would be a good idea. Well, obviously schools have changed over the years, and I'm sure if you ask 10 – 12 people, you'd have 10, 12 different answers on how to make schools better. But that seems to be one that you could rally a consensus around. I think so, too, because it's, I mean, if you think about it, you go through school, whatever grade you end up, whether it's high school or college or, or, or well beyond, and I think they're missing some things about financial education. Um how to and and part of this goes back to me a, a book I read not too long ago, Second Chance, about real estate investing. Right? You a lot of times they teach okay, go out and get the best job you can, yeah. and save a lot of money and invest in the stock market for when you retire. But I think there's other ways to do it. With one is investing in real estate, and two there are things that you can do that I think would be 
maybe maybe it's teachers i think probably have an agenda or they have different books that they're teaching their kids about but it seems like somebody should get um expand that a little bit to to teach kids about financial investing and financial um, in investing in real estate um but yeah there's probably you're right 10 if you ask 10 people you get 10 different answers but um um, I don't know what we can do about that, but I'd like to see if I can't do something about that. Before we sign off today, we've uh, got two or three minutes. Uh, I have another question. Uh, I read something about a trigger lead. Can you tell me what that is? Oh, yes, I know that very well, Sandy. A trigger lead. Um, so here's what happens. The the three major credit reporting bureaus like Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. I don't know. It seems to be like they do their own thing. I don't know if they're anybody, they have to report to anybody, but what you can do, some people, and I get these emails all the time, they have um, what, and they're called trigger leads. If somebody has their credit report pulled, then they sell that information off to different entities like mortgage companies or or banks or whatever. So and then that mortgage company will call the borrower and the borrower says where did you get my name and where did you get my number and all that. So what we do Sandy to um to sort of not have our clients go through all that is when we do a um, when we have a customer that wants to buy a house or wants to refi, we do what's called a soft pull. So that does not become a trigger lead. We do a soft pull, and the credit and the credit is whatever it is, and we can accommodate most all from five eighty to you know eight hundred and above. Mm-hmm. But then we're able to tell our customers, look, if you've done this before, or when we do a hard pull you're going to get calls from all kinds of people. So to me, the, the, the bureaus have asked us if we wanted trigger leads, and I've said no, that, I, I don't agree with that at all because you're selling somebody's personal information yeah. to somebody else. And so we, we're able to educate our, our customers that you, know, when you, you may get calls from other mortgage companies. And so I'm – I'm surprised you knew about trigger leads, Andy. Good. I for just you. came across it uh, somewhere, but yeah. uh, I'm glad you explained it. Maybe we'll talk about it again. We can uh, here in a few weeks, and uh, people will, uh, uh, if they come across the term, be uh, a little more conversant uh, on the subject. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, football week. Um, yes, a, a troublesome week in in some respects with uh, the yeah. injury sustained by Demar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills the other night. But uh, the good news is that uh, uh, there does seem to be progress. Yes, in in his recovery and uh, uh, whether or not he ever plays football again is uh, uh, secondary, certainly to. Uh, uh, the concerns that uh, surround his ability to lead a healthy and mm-hmm. uh, productive life. He seems like a very special uh, young man. Uh, right. uh, earlier this week, I did a podcast with George Carl, and uh, we spent a good deal of time talking about uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin, who happens to uh, hail from Pittsburgh, and that's George's hometown oh, as well. Okay. So uh, uh, George had a special uh, interest in this uh uh, particular individual, and uh, it was a horrifying scene, certainly on 
uh, Monday Night Football. Oh, I saw it. It was uh, saw that, but uh, the good news was that the National Football League now, as opposed to uh, uh, how it was capable of dealing with emergencies like this. 50 years ago, let's right, say, right. Uh, has come a long way. And he got immediate and outstanding medical attention. And that Boy. probably <clears throat> saved his life. Yeah, no no question. I mean, he got CPR right away. Right away. And uh, from what I've read, that I think his heart actually stopped. And he needed twice. that twice. Once on the field and once at the hospital. Oh, my God. I didn't know the other part of it. But that's... Um, They've uh, they've come a long way. That yeah. probably would have not have happened 25, 30, 40 years ago. And- no doubt. And I was a little surprised when uh, some of the answers indicated they'd never seen anything like this before. There, there yeah. have been cases like this. Fortunately, not too many and maybe not as many as you might expect down through the years. But uh, I remember in the days of my youth uh, watching a game in 1971 between Detroit and Chicago in which a player – was in severe difficulty on the field, and the difference was they continued the game after removing him, Mm. but all the players were shaken, and the player unfortunately passed away about an hour and a half after the game. Oh, I remember that. But they did continue the game. The other night, that was the other difference maybe in the way the National Football League operates. I don't think there was ever any consideration given to continuing that game. Yeah, that would have not been the right thing. Not not been. I mean, the way the players were reacting, it was a total emotional basket. I mean, you know, it was it was very hard on all these players. I've never seen a reaction like that. Uh, no, I haven't players. either. I mean, they're that, crying. That told you that something serious had happened. Yeah, and there was no reason to continue the game. So I'm None. glad they did what they did. Well, uh, we move into the new year, Larry, and I look forward to seeing you next Saturday. Lots of good stuff uh, today, and uh, maybe more on the new book. Okay. As, uh, you continue to make your way through it. It's a pretty thick volume, but uh, again, the name of the book is Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. The author is James Clear, C-L-E-A-R. And uh, over 4 million copies have been sold. So you're not the only one reading uh, this book. Uh, Tiny Changes and Remarkable Results. It's a New York Times bestseller. Again, the title, Atomic Habits. That's the SEL Mortgage Show for today. Sandy Clough for Larry Jager. We'll see you next Saturday right back here on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Thanks for listening to the SEL Mortgage Show with Sandy Clough and mortgage expert Larry Jager. If you missed a portion of the show or want to listen to the program again, listen to podcasts at the SCLMortgageShow.com. Questions or assistance with a loan? Call their main office in Denver at 303-790-2222 or online at MySpecialMortgage.com, NMLS, 120 